0: This episode is brought to you by Seed Invest, the curated equity crowdfunding platform helping entrepreneurs raise the capital they need from seed stage to Series D by harnessing the awesome power of the crowd. Learn more about how you can get your business in front of Seed Invest Network of over 600,000 investors looking for opportunities at info.seedinvest.com investor. The Disciplined Investor
1: is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest,
0: cultivating financial success. Invasion underway, a good way to sink your markets, but tech doesn't mind a bit. Turn around on the bad news. Because maybe war equals less chance of a rate hike. Yep, that. Our guest today is Jason Raznick, founder of Benzinga. All this and much more on episode number 755 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Disciplined Investor Podcast. So nice of you to join me this week and every week as we discuss markets, bring on some great guests. We have a great one for you today and talk about what's going on, not only in the markets, but about the business world, finance, some education on the world of stocks, bonds, economics, all the good things that we need to really understand to make sure that we have a very successful outcome when it comes to our futures. And that's what it's all about. I'm Andrew Horowitz. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm also not only the host of this show, the co-host of DH Unplugged, where myself and John C. Dvorak meet every week, but also I am the president and founder of Horowitz & Company. And that is an investment advisory, money management, financial planning, whatever you want to call it. What we do is help you with your money. We help you figure out a way to invest it best. Now, Here's where we are, because a lot of people are asking, like, what is going on? What is going on, first of all, is that there is a significant amount of people that still believe that the bull market is alive and well. Even though we're seeing these corrections, they're even more emboldened the fact that, wow, prices have really come down. We really should get on board and invest. This is a great buy-the-dip opportunity. All right, I'm not having an argument with that. The second thing is, well, now, well, 50 basis point increase is not in the cards. War is a non-starter for rate hikes. The Fed wants ample liquidity in the market. Surely they would be announcing an injection if things got worse. And now that 50 basis point rate hike has been dropped to a 5% chance. 5% chance in March, when just a few weeks ago, it was like at a 90% chance. And what does that show you? Once again, just a few days ago, in the midst of the potential for Russia to be gathering at the borders of Ukraine, Bullard comes out with his shenanigans about a 50 basis point increase and a 100 basis point total increase by July. And of course, CNBC had to get them on the following Monday. He said the same thing. And now you have to ask yourself, how thick are the blinders that you need to have only to be looking at the inflation number in one dimension rather than what else is going on around the world and think that maybe we need to keep our powder dry on this and looking at all the other factors. Making these bold predictions with limited visibility is just downright stupid. Now you've heard me rant about the Fed many times in the past. I got to tell you something. They are really really overstepping any kind of level of intelligence. Because the Fed is not disciplined no longer. They're not following the data. Right now, they look like just a bunch of academics playing economists and really bad at what they do. But what is the one thing that the Fed has that we need to pay attention to? And why is it now that all of a sudden when we realize that, wow, Financial conditions are maybe constrained and prices are up for various commodities. And the fact is that, well, that may be a big drag on economic activity here and in Europe in particular. Wow, big change. And if the Fed does come in full bore, we saw the PCE numbers on Friday, we saw the last PPI, we saw Germany's PPI at 25% year over year, and we see all these numbers get crazy and out of hand, and maybe... Somehow now we're believing Russia. They want to talk once they conquer Ukraine. But what does the Fed have going for them that we all listen to? We all listen to the idea that they have all the money. They hold the purse strings. They are, even if they're wrong and they go in one direction or the other, they are the ones that have the money to spend, to provide liquidity, to lower rates, to do quantitative easing, debase the currency, et cetera. So here we go. Did you see that move on Thursday, that 700-point or so top-to-bottom turn for the NASDAQ? Why was that? Well, clearly some names were oversold, no question about it. I mean, you don't have to be... Long on a long-term chart reader to figure out what was going on. And in fact, there was another oversold reading on our proprietary gauge, the KRI indicator. The Spearman itself was down pretty low, not as low as I wanted it to be. But the McClellan, excuse me, the McClellan was not as low. But the Spearman was like down by negative eighty-nine. That's pretty low. However, however, the other reason was very obvious: war. War yields the need for the Fed to be less aggressive with their potential rate hikes. No question about that. This situation is a little different. The incursion caused these commodity prices to go wild. I mentioned that. Oil spiked up to 100, down to 92 on Thursday, down even further on Friday. But the point is that these are all inflationary issues, but they are very specific items, perhaps temporary But as I've been saying, the Fed has backed themselves into a corner in a round room. Not much they can do about it. But now they can discuss the transitory nature of the commodity prices and talk about how we're not going to move too aggressively. We are going to get there eventually. But we are going to be data dependent and look through the data in a way that is with a sharp eye, not with a blunt tool just to say we're going to increase rates. Of course, the Fed has to maintain credibility. But the realization is that they're not going to be as aggressive right now, or at least the thought is, especially after we saw all the data come out and here we are in a situation where things can get a lot worse, they don't need to be pressing on the fact that they're going to go full bore ahead. And I think that this situation that we have right now, in terms of the impact on confidence, that may be stemming from this, this market collapse. And then on top of the market collapse, where we see a lot of stocks down a lot further than the markets themselves, it's not the right time to be aggressively tightening. We saw already that EU central bankers are chiming in that they're likely now to keep rates where they are this year. And the big fear that we had in the markets, aside from what was going on, was that rates were going to go up very, very Quickly, because we have sticky inflation, which we already have. But the idea that they need to slow down the economy to justify what they are saying is a little bit back-assed. What they need to do is really look at the data right now. And I think that they'll do that because they have a reason to do so. Before, they were just on a one-way ticket to higher rates. Now, it's changed. Now, we have a natural slowdown mechanism. The Russia-Ukraine, it, it's we need to look at the damage assessment when, when it's over. We don't even know when it's over. The fallout of the sanctions that we put on Russia, which appear harsh, but really not that. And that's another reason why markets turned around dramatically. We put sanctions on Russia, but at the same time, we really didn't do a significant job at hampering their earning capability because we didn't put it on, on their oil or on their natural gas or the commodities. It's not happening, so the worst that was feared that we're going to push until they broke the economy really doesn't seem to be the case. So we want to make clear what's happening. The reason for the turnaround of almost a 1,000 Dow points and another 600 points the next day and the huge move from the bottom of the top of the NASDAQ on Thursday and a move up midday throughout Friday, that big move that we saw, at least the, the better feeling of the markets it was an oversold bounce. It was the idea of the Fed. It was really nothing more than that. Some earnings came in that looked a little bit better. So you see the economy is still hot. Yes. Still running hot. We saw durable goods come out last week. Next week coming up, very important week on the heels of the PCE numbers, the, uh, uh, the, the personal consumption expenditure numbers, the Fed's most favorite of all favorite inflation numbers came in at the high end but not higher than expected, which was good. So now we are in a situation where there is opportunity. And this opportunity is yielding an oversold bounce and a move into some of the stocks that were absolutely obliterated during the last two, three months. Some of the names that move down the most, the most highly shorted, are the ones. If you look at the baskets that Goldman provides or Bloomberg's baskets, these are the names over the last few days that bounced the hardest after being absolutely sold without any abandon forever, so it seems. So, So there's a lot of things that are out there. I think I want to bring in our guest. I want to talk to him because a lot of things I want to change up this topic. We've been talking about much of the markets, what it's doing, where it's going. It's been a really interesting week. We also did a summary, and, and if, if you look at, and you can find this out there, major political events in history and how markets, how dealt with them in the past. And again, you realize it's all about the shock initially and then dealing with it. So that's where we are right now. We're dealing with it. The shock is over to a degree. If it stops with Ukraine... And that's that. There's not much of an impact on the U.S. economy. Europe is going to have a problem. But just something to consider when you look at all this going on, and frightens you and you think about where that's going to go. Could it come over here? Are we going to end up in a ground uh, war, a, a, a soldier-style old-fashioned war? Is it going to be a cyber attack situation? I think that's an interesting area to deal with. I think that we really need to focus on what it's all about and how it impacts us. And, and really, it's over there from an economic situation, from a corporate earning situation. There'll be some bleed over. There'll be some some way it touches us. But the reality is that it's, it's very, very small. Europe, on the other hand, could see more of a problem. Before we go any further, I want to mention, I want to talk about SeedInvest because it's changing the game for entrepreneurs, connecting startups with a network of everyday investors and customers and fans, and they're they're raising venture capital. I want you to find out why SeedInvest is the preferred equity crowdfunding platform for hundreds of founders who have raised over $400 million to fuel their company's greatest ambitions. Because raising venture capital is hard. But SeedInvest makes the process easier with their time-tested end-to-end online fundraising platform connecting over a half a million angel investors with founders building the future. To learn more about how you can get started and see for yourself how SeedInvest is transforming the outdated fundraising system to benefit startup founders and everyday investors looking for opportunities, visit info.seedinvest.com slash investor today. Let's get right to our guest today. I'm pretty excited. And our guest today is Jason Rasnick. He's the founder of Benzinga, which I, I think I pronounced that right. Yeah, um, you do. I do. Oh, hey, what's going on, Jason? You're right there. What's
1: up? Hey, Andrew Horowitz, Disciplined Investor. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you pronounced it great. All Some right. people forget the N and go Benzinga, Benzinga, and I get annoyed. So,
0: What is that? I think I've asked you this, and I just, for whatever reason, okay. I don't remember. What is that name? What is it?
1: Okay. So when I used, when I was younger, I'd go to speech tutor with my grandfather, we'd make up words and Benzinga may, could have been one of those words that we'd make up. And I just had, you know, when I was naming the company, I owned a bunch of stock related website domains still do. When I was naming the company, I just wanted something kooky and uh, not kooky, but something that I could build a brand around, which is Benzinga. There's nothing else like it. And we could do sports, we could do you know, whatever. And it's a, a brand we've created and and it's, it's grown. It's, it's grown. not only
0: a brand, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. It is, thing. You, know? you know, people
1: like I, you know, I'm at a pool this week and uh, many people when well, my son was wearing a Benzinga shirt and they're like, and they're asking him like, wait, how do you know Benzinga? And then he tells them,
0: you know, I had one of the coolest experience a number of years ago when um, I was at a pool somewhere. I think it was like, I don't know, I think it was Mexico somewhere, like Cancun or something. Mm-hmm. And somebody's just sitting there reading one of my books. Oh,
1: that's the best. That was like, wow, that's pretty so cool. You, so did you go up to them and like say, yeah. Yeah,
0: I did. I'm like, hey. They're like, hey, hi, hi, how are you? I'm like, uh, how do you like the book? It's great. And they're like not picking up on who I was, right? You know? Right. Right. <laughs> and I'm I mean, like, look at the cover. And That was kind of fun. That's the best. Let's talk about a few things. I mean, I know you're down in Florida right now. And once again, I'm going to extend this because we seem to never cross paths very well. But I have a boat. I told you to take your family, your young ones, on the boat for a nice day. You're just a few miles away. David Portnoy was down here, I think, two days ago doing a pizza review, a 7-iron from my house. And everybody seems to be passing by. There's so much to do in Florida. How are you enjoying Florida? Wait, What part of Florida are you in? Fort Lauderdale.
1: Oh, we are close by you. I'm telling you. I thought, okay, I didn't realize you're over there. Okay. Yep, yep. I'm
0: from Detroit to Southfield. It's such a beautiful are. day. such a beautiful weather too right oh, now. Oh, it's unbelievable. Have you seen a big difference in Florida over the years? I know you've been coming for years. Yes. Tell, tell me kind of what you're, what, what you're seeing. I mean, I
1: think it's not a temporary difference. I think it's a, I mean, it's it is a difference and it's a long-term trend. People are moving down here. I mean, I question why sometimes I don't live here. I mean, I've been down here off and on the last couple months, like three weeks already. And um, I'm seeing people, you know, you have 0% state tax, uh, the Miami mayor is very forward thinking. Um, There's a lot of less government interaction and um, interference. People like that environment. I like that this morning, it was, um, you know, a little birdie told me Dwayne Wade was gonna be at our hotel playing golf at 745. My son wanted to go see him. So we went outside at 745. But the reason I'm even bringing the story up is that I love that we were outside at 745 walking around. In
0: yeah. without, I lost you a little bit there.
1: You with me? You know, I like, love
0: it. It's, yeah, I lost you. I lost you for a second there. But basically, what you're saying was I could surmise that you, you can walk outside without uh, bundling up or sc- worrying about scraping your windshield.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exact, exact. You're 100, 100% right. I'm, I'm surprised you've lost me. I'm supposed to be on good internet right now. It
0: is. It's possible. But, you know, you start talking about things that people don't want and they, you know, they, they they, bug the lines. Let's go backwards. I want to talk about this because you've been very successful with Benzing. And I don't know if everybody that listens knows what it is. And I've been tracking you, since obviously known you for a long, long time. We have some quasi family relationships, actually. And... Um, You know, you've always been, I would say, involved, obviously, in the game of news in in, in various areas. Um, Obviously, the news has been out. There's been some big investments in your company. So congratulations on that. That's great to see. Take me to the beginning of how this all started, because I I remember it, but it's really grown in a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas uh, fanned out, I guess I I would say. Take me to the back of how Benzing has started.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, and then, are you want me to take you to what the recent transaction, or we'll get to that later? Whatever you want, this is your floor. Okay, well, we'll start. Um, Benzing was started because I thought there was a hole in the small cap space back when I was in Michigan, University of Michigan. I lived on East University, so I was say I did this hedge fund, East Capital. I'd reach out to small cap CEOs, and then I'd start posting to Yahoo message boards. I started amassing a large audience that when I wrote stuff, stocks moved. But I didn't realize what I had, like, like that I was actually good at what I was doing. So, um, you know, and I, um, and so I, many years later, I said there should be a news service for small cap stocks, but not just a news service. There's smart people around the world. So let's crowdsource their intelligence into Benzinga and tr- exchange trade ideas. So there's people that are experts in the cannabis space, telecom space, industrials, and, you know, they're not just analysts at Wall Street banks. So I wanted to level the playing field for the average row, bring the smartest people around together in the small cap space to help people find alpha because a lot of people aren't covering these small cap stocks. I was, I was really good at it. I I honestly, I still would hold that I could out research someone when, you know, someone puts me to it on a stock. Um, And and so that's the kind of the the genesis of why Benzinga as an idea platform existed. Then there's a company called thinkorswim, which Ameritrade bought out was run by Tom Saznoff. Yep. He loved our content and he licensed our content. So now we're sitting there with Tom Saznoff as a customer. And then we're um, debating like, hey, what should we do next? What should, what's, what, what's our next move? Um, and so what came about was um, other brokerages were looking to maybe, you know, reduce their content costs, and not pay the big, big Bloombergs, all this money. So we started gathering them up. As customers, mm-hmm. and we're now, you know, come 11 12 years, you know, overnight success, we're now the largest vendor of financial news and data in North America to the brokerage space, which means Robinhood, Webull, Public, Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, um, Interactive Brokers, TradeStation. They get our content.
0: This is, I mean, that, that's a pretty amazing story. I mean, obviously, it's not just content though, because when, when I say not just content, it, it, it is it's content. data. It's data. It, no, data, it, right,
1: right, right. Data too. We, if you're using Robinhood or using other platforms, Yahoo Finance, you're using our data, earnings data. When a company reports earnings, annals ratings, they are licensing that from us. I would say that our earnings data is better than anyone else out there. We have a whole team that like dissects numbers that doesn't just copy and paste a press release. We actually put a lot of work into it.
0: Actually, yeah, I, mean, that, I mean that's the big thing. You know, these, these days, what you know, they talk about things like. Headline driven news, right? That that concept of uh, which is shorthand for, for oh, there's some news that's happening and that's what's moving markets. But in 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 a, in a in in a environment that many investors are well, frankly, you know, look at that squirrel over there, right? You know, they they can't focus and all they want to do is read a headline, which many of them are misleading, by the way, right? I mean, let's be honest, a lot of headlines out there are are maybe not misleading, but doesn't tell the whole story. That's a better way to say it. Uh, you know, you gotta have the research underneath it. And that's important to have the right people on that. One of the things that I always look for is okay, earnings. You know, you see, oh, they beat earnings. You know, you see NBC, they beat earnings. Well, what the hell does that even mean? What, what, what earnings? And what does it mean of what level? Was it quality earnings? Was it, you know, you see companies that are up a ton because they didn't lose as much money? Or right. or or they beat or, or they, they lost more money, but they're up for some reason because they're guiding a little bit higher or whatever the situation is, it's important to have the context of all this and that's what you're providing. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's what we're, exactly. That's what we're trying to do on a habitual basis and provide that and um, we think we do a good job at it. We know we can always do better. We also uh, created this product called the WIMS. It's the, why is it moving? So in one sentence, you can know why a stock is moving. So if you log into your Ameritrade platform, you'll see a little bullet point about below each stock that's moved over 3% or down 3%. It's a one sentence thing. So you don't have to click the 50 articles and it's licensed through many different providers, but That was smart. That's it smart. And, and it's not, now, someone would say, ha, ah, you can automate, there's automated stuff to do that. That's not how we do it. The way we do it is when a stock is moving, we look at our sources and if we don't see anything, we call the company, we call analysts. We always try to find out the reasons. So it's, if it was just an automated thing, and yeah, anyone can do it, but we have a lot of manpower on it. We have about 130, 135 team members now. Wow. Um, about 50 in Michigan, 60 in Michigan, and then like 60, 70 in remote. If you're talented, we don't care if you live in Jupiter. And that could be Jupiter, Florida,
0: or Jupiter, you know. <laughs> so you can make yeah. the call. So as an investor, um where where is what if I was the average investor, what's what's the most essential? Thing that Benzinga can provide me, aside from we talked about earnings and all that, but like, I, I mean, at, uh, at what the, am I going to look at? At the
1: end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of de- so Andrew, what you do is long term investing planning for uh, wealthy or somewhat wealthy people, mm-hmm. right? Right. And and th- we have a Benzinga Pro, which is like a Bloomberg terminal, and there's a lot of day traders on it for sure. We 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 try to find um, anomalies in the market, so we have a, a merger merger arbitrage pr- uh, product where Arena you know, Pharmaceuticals is being recommended because Pfizer, the Delta, the, the difference of the spread is pretty large right now. Um, you know, So there's different products like that. Now there's Motley Fool type stuff where we have newsletters. But at the end of the day, when you read Benzinga, what we try to do, we think people have less time in the, in, in the world these days. And so what we try to do is discern to the facts. So we do the who, what, where, why. So when you read a Benzinga article on benzinga.com, You're going to see who, like who are the people involved, why are they involved, and what action can you take off it. So what I didn't like, I went to undergrad school, business school at Michigan. I didn't like that. Like hedge funds knew how to take advantage of test. So you're in Tesla, you want to hedge your volatility, you want to hedge when it, you know, goes down. What do hedge funds do? So we try to bring those hedge fund strategies to retail traders. Like at the, you know, the bottom of the article. If you believe this, here's action you can take. If you believe that here's action you can take. And that has served us pretty well with trying to give people information that they, you know, aren't accustomed to at this point.
0: So, you know, you talk about retail traders and let's just talk for a second. I don't want you to talk against any of your uh, people that that subscribe to your service and all that, but the retail traders went a little bit insane for a while there, didn't they? So- They lost their minds. That's, well,
1: so two things. When you say lost their minds, are you referring to like tech stocks going up to, crazy numbers, I know fundamentals like the EV stuff and the, Yeah, just you want to talk
0: about the solar yeah. for a while, the EVs for a while, you want yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. I mean we can we can name the
1: groups. 100%. And so it comes to a timing thing, when you can time this stuff. I mean, I um I pulled out and I'm not like doing a thing, but I was on 4 months ago, I my lowest. I still have my lowest position in the stock market that I've almost ever had mm-hmm. because I saw insanity with these EVs is what I was calling it. And I was like, when they start selling, people are going start selling other stuff because they see their market goes down. I, I was through it in, in the 2000 era. I went through it. I lost. I got my shirt handed to me. I, I learned how to blow up an account. And so the same things that I saw that were supporting EV stocks were supporting those dot coms back in the day. So I shed a lot of shares, but it's not like I got rid of everything. I still have shares. Right. Um, but but, but ones load. that I really love. Like I have a stock that's up 78% over the last year and a half. Right. Bill, build, BIL, and I still own it. Now, did I buy enough? No, because it's up 78%. But like my good stocks that I think are really good are doing well. My Eli, my Callaway, which I like, is down 10%. So on those, when it goes down, if it goes to 22, I'll buy some more because I think the long-term trend is there, that's
0: my opinion. So one of the things you also did during this time period, well, let's just back up for a second. I hear what you're saying, what you did. What was what was going on? It was, you know, the Reddit boards, the Wall Street bet boards. It was, are you seeing a change in the dynamic to your subscriptions a little bit now in that some, th- this this has to be an a incredible amount of retail that blew themselves up, right?
1: Um, I, When you say blew themselves up, I don't know if they blew themselves up or they're like, this is not as easy as I thought it was.
0: I mean, it's got to be a That's lot of people that got into uh, an AMC at a much higher price,
1: uh, a much, much higher price. A hundred, a, a hundred percent. I mean, we were the leaders there, right? There was no one bigger than us. So we were the bigger than every single financial media. I mean, CNBC was calling us to ask how we were doing this. So it was crazy. But I mean, I don't know. We never talked to since this, but we were the whole GameStop thing started with us. We were the room where it happened. Um, what happened was you had... Um, these uh, guys on Reddit, Wall Street Bets, um, you know, GameStop was getting a little talked about, but not much moving. One day, uh, Andrew left, comes on our show. We have about 600 people listening. Within about 25 minutes, we had 15,000 live listeners. In about 40 minutes, we had about 35,000 live listeners. The GameStop movement in the stock went from like 25 to 40 during the show to 50 during the show. It was the start of the mania. Andrew left was the short seller and this is when it all stopped. That's why it started. That's why he doesn't do short selling anymore. He, they, uh, no, wait, know, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, hold on. I need to stop you. Is he not doing short selling anymore or he's just more no. on the buy side? He's more on the buy side now. He's but not. He's definitely will get back to the other side, right? He said he wouldn't. Cause you know, his family
1: was threatened. They were going to his house, like the whole thing. I mean, he really, he came on our show, Andrew, because one of our reporters who was, you know, we're new, we're the new wave finance for the millennials was, a, saw that he, his Twitter was hacked. We reached out to him, he was like, yes, I want to come on live now. Literally. And by the way, just so we're clear, Andrew, I was being called a boomer boomer. Cause I wasn't buying GameStop at $22. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the show, I had, to, I bought uh, 200 shares of GameStop at $225 because you go look at our YouTube of this show, which it's all there in history. I mean, what I'm saying is all backed up we were getting like, you know, we had like 3,000 thumbs up, like, and then 3,000 thumbs down because I was being a boomer I didn't buy the share. So I bought <laughs> it out of, peer, I bought it out of peer pressure, yeah, no joke. Yeah, yeah. And I know I literally had to, I never felt that the power of this crowd was unreal. So for, we went 14 hours live that day and then 14 hours live the next day, we brought on like guys like Dave Portnoy, like Kevin O'Leary you know, um, as the CEO of every brokerage, our WeeBull interview, um, for the brokerage stuff was covered everywhere. New York times wanted to do a story on us about how that we were the room where it happened for the GameStop thing. But I shied away from that at that point. And then I was going to do it later, but then it was too late. So um, it was, it was crazy. I'm, so, I'm was sorry.
0: I'm crazy. still reeling from the, the whole idea that Andrew left, who was the guy who would just kill companies, right. Is not mm-hmm. going near this because I find that fascinating. I've, I, you know, I, and I know the last number of things that he's been doing has all been these. He's he's reversed it, right? You know, it used to be the stock is going to zero, and <laughs> whatever the stock was. Now he's like the stock's going to like three hundred when it's like fifteen. He's he's reversed his whole process. I, I, yeah, and there's more. I mean, there was short sellers against
1: Tesla, the guy that did like the uh, big short or whatever, and like and they came out and yeah. I mean, you, you have Gordon, no idea. And Gordon, you, Andrew, you have no idea how powerful. A group of, uh, you know, very zealous. I mean, I, if you went to Reddit and type my name in, you would see them ripping me during those days. Um, I had calls with the Reddit board because they thought that I was, uh, we, that we were like trying to drive AMC down. We weren't. We'd, we'd cover Goldman Sachs saying their research. It was like, we always do. That's our business, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't, We I didn't care. Like I wasn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have like a thing in there. And so then they got on the phone with me they're like, okay, yeah, you're not a bad guy. You're a good guy, you know? And so then that that helped, you know, um, Yeah, but, but the point just, is, but some of those guys, I know this is it yeah, pertains yeah, to you, yeah, especially yeah. Oh, some yeah. of those, some of these people that I was on the phone with, <laughs> mm-hmm. they never have ever been in the stock market ever. And they were saying AMC is going to a hundred dollars and all this stuff. I'm like, guys, this doesn't make sense. And they just never been it. So when you talk, they'll get, get their accounts burnt out. right? You are right. There are. Millions of people that probably happened to.
0: What the, the thing that really turned me on all this, and I really, I had that, a moment, you know what I'm talking about, right? That moment was mm-hmm. when, when GameStop was going crazy. Uh, there was a guy, and I don't remember, some guy from Toronto or from Canada that had a YouTube channel. And I think he was a travel writer beforehand that for hours upon hours upon hours, he was talking about GameStop and talking about trying to predict where the price would go. And people would be tipping him and giving him donations on YouTube. And I was watching this and my jaw just dropped. Like, what is happening was here? It, was it an older individual? Yeah, the older guy. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was yep. I was fascinated that people. And he, yep. it wasn't just like a few people watching him. There was thousands mm-hmm. upon thousands of people watching this guy. Spewing yep. absolute I nonsense. I know. I know and it was like, it was, it was crazy. They, they loved him. They loved him. I don't even know what the story it was just, just, I guess to be in the, 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 the vicinity of somebody talking about this and all these other people. But is uh, that now let's kind of shift this over to DAOs where okay. we have crypto gangs getting together. DAOs, DAOs, how do you pronounce it? Is there ways yeah. To pronounce yeah, it? yeah. You got, you got it. D-A-O, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: DAO. DAO, anyway, uh, where, where crypto gangs are getting together to mm, put together money to buy something. They tried to do a few different deals unsuccessfully because they were stupid. They put a cap on the price that they were willing to pay, and the guy came in a few dollars more and bought some major, I think it was um, uh, uh, Citadel. He, he he topped the Dow on some deal.
1: Yes, yeah. I'm not. On the Constitution thing and everyone yeah and he bought it yes and then he was
0: but now uh, I, is that the new wave of is this is this what's been generated from the the reddit gang
1: I mean it, it it I would say definitely I mean it's a good point you're bringing up it's definitely part of the genesis of it no doubt about it I mean I I I see where you're going I would say yeah the power in the community and that thing wasn't perfect but yeah absolutely hmm. like it was definitely Part of the game. Yes. So
0: now you also branched out, uh, I guess because of your small cap background, ability to research and all that, into a pretty aggressive area, not only talking about cryptos, but talking about the alts. I mean some of the odd alts, you know, like some of the things that aren't mainstream. I, you I, have a whole division I, for that. I love it. What what do you love about it? Tell me because seriously. Oh,
1: I, I I love it. I'm I, I love it. I was actually gonna do a live account where I put ten thousand dollars in like Thirty different alts, mm-hmm. um, or not thirty, but like whatever, the top fifteen and track it. I love undiver, I mean, I love non-correlated uh, as best as I can, non-correlated stock market returns. I love trying to find. How I'm do not you re- even
0: I- rationally some of these alts? I mean, like, listen, give me an example. Yeah, good. No, give me oh. one. What, what, oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, first we had the the, the Shiba, you know, okay, I and mean, we know what happened with that. And Doge, we know what happened with that. I still call it doggy coin, but whatever. Yeah, um, that's but I mean, some of I mean, I probably couldn't mention some of them, but there's like the Shibo. Oh, okay, okay. Other Shibo. There's like Hold a, on, hold on. One.
1: Hold on, hold on. We're talking about two different things. What are we talking so about? I'm talking about alts like real estate investments. Oh, like, oh, 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 all, oh that's different. That oh, that's different. I do, I, and like art, like physical art. Yeah, no, we can talk
0: about that. That's fine. I was talking about altcoins. coins. Let's talk about. No, the no, coins. no.
1: So let's go to altcoins. coins. Yeah, all right. Alt coins are a total gamble. One, I, I met with Mark Cuban actually two weeks ago at the All-Star Tech Summit thing. And it's we were talking about this, a total gamble. I mean, Bitcoin, you know, yes, you could have bought it for $100 10 years ago, and it's 30000 something dollars. Those are the ones in the millions, right? Uh-huh. And these other ones are total gambles. Can they get adopted? But at the end of the day, Andrew, it's an uprising of people getting together and going on this stuff. And people call it Ponzi because for it to go up, the, the more there has to be more buyers and sellers versus a stock where a company produces earnings sometimes issues dividends and all that stuff so it is um I'm not big into the altcoins personally I'm just not what about the,
0: what about the core coins
1: so I own a little bit I own a little bit of Ethereum, I own Bitcoin what I do invest in a stable coin where your principal doesn't adjust right. it just you get a high interest you could say it's risky I think otherwise. And you get eight to ten percent, but you know when everything's eight to ten percent, you should be cognizant of it. I I totally understand, but I've done my research, so I do a lot. I do a lot of. I've met
0: with the president of a uh, major um, trading company. Um, I have lunch with him every month and a half or two, and um, he's been trying to pitch me the stablecoin idea. And you know, six to eight to ten percent, depending on what you you know. It all depends on 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 timing and, and and what they're offering, right? And I've tried to wrap my head around it a bit, understanding what they're doing, which is basically taking money to le- to lend it out. I mean, that's what they're doing, right? Um, and then lend it out. I've, I've said, okay, well, lend it out to who? I mean, we can't really go short or margin too much in the US, can we, on on coins? So I do, I've
1: done a lot of research on it. If I told you how much money I have in stablecoin, you would fall off your chair right now, probably. Oh. Um, so I'm a big believer in it, but you have, it, but it's, Buyer beware. So there's a whole process. You've got companies like BlockFi, Coinbase, Voyager, um, FTX, and a a few others. Um, And BlockFi was just fined 100 million. You can research into that. So they were giving out their interest because they were buying the GBTC in the public market and selling warrants and getting a premium. What happens normally is people want to get more into some sort of coin, and it's better to borrow from the broker to get it. It doesn't all make complete sense, but at the end of the day, usdc is backed by circle i haven't seen i saw one with tight there's one company that was doing stuff that it was too good to be true it's i gotta get uh the name so i did the research on it and and you know they're doing all their work with china it wasn't documented it's it's buy beware and diversify into different stable coins that's I mean, if you want that's if you want an to eight to ten percent now your question about margin and leverage and how how they're getting that thing it's hard to decipher. I want to be on the side that actually takes the brow to see how it all works. I still have not been able to piece it all together, but that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. The- I've had with the
0: guy too. I've had the president who, who has this product. I'm like, okay, explain this once, just again, here we go. Before Andrew, before the salad comes, explain Andrew, Just go me. put Just put 10,000 in it and watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I would do more. I would do a lot more. It's just, I'm like, uh, you know,
1: I have, I have a lot. Okay.
0: Local. I got you. Um, so, you know, and by the way, this is full disclosure, people are always like, uh, ha, Horowitz hates the coins and all that. I, I got a chunk in Ethereum. I've had it for a while. I've built it over time. And it's the only one, maybe if you want to throw Bitcoin in there, but I don't like the th- theory about Bitcoin, which it's only like an Anthony Pompliano, which is, oh, it's just going to be 21 million coins, and it's a, a matter of this, and a stable coin, and, not stable coin, a uh, um, uh, 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 um, store of value, and I, I'm, I, I, I don't buy any of that. The Ethereum... Interesting if NFTs, which, again, if they don't go off the deep end again with people buying an ape for God. You have an ape? You must have an no. ape. You don't have any apes? I was gonna,
1: I'm not a whale in, in NFTs. But oh. I mean, not yet.
0: Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about doing like our first show as an NFT or something like that. And I have, oh, I have an idea. I have an idea for an NFT. You want to hear it? Go for it. So I don't know if necessarily that I want it backed or bought through necessarily cryptocurrency because we right now that's the way it goes. But you know the house buying process where yep. you buy a house and then you got to put together the deed and you got to have all the different paperwork and the whole process, you know, the loans, all, all this stuff that goes on. Why don't we package that whole thing into an NFT and just sell it as a uh, one one shot when it needs to be done?
1: Yeah, I mean, that could be. I mean, that's where title and all that stuff. So you're saying yeah. buy the whole thing and it. Yeah.
0: It's just package. Yeah. I'm talking about it as an NFT package of the house with all the appropriate documents, which can then be verified, tracked, and all that. Plus, on top of it, um, it can have all the documents and the history inside of this, whatever this NFT package is.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that is very interesting. You can track it in the blockchain. Yeah, blockchain.
0: Yeah. And then when you want to sell um, it, you don't have to pay all these ridiculous costs that are going on. There may be some basically it's easy, easily transferable through maybe a different security level process, you know, so that's, you know, and, and make it so it's not hackable. In other words, if it is hacked and somebody has it, who cares? They can't do it because it's not, their name's not in there.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, so by the way, people are are probably working on that exact thing. The question is though, who wants to be first and how do you grow it? So like, how do you grow? Who wants to be first? And then what businesses does it disrupt? Because when something disrupts a business, everyone does whatever they can to put up guard wa- rails. Just like right. Uber couldn't park at the airport, right? Right. Or couldn't go there. So everyone's going to put up guardrails. So no matter how good of a solution you come up with, Andrew, or that, which I think is a phenomenal one. Phenomenal. There's all this stuff. Uh, but uh, there's so many people that make money on the home transaction right now. Right. You know, so it changes the game. How hard is it to change the game? Now the next question is, does the government make money at all on a home transaction? If they do, then it's even harder. The reason crypto or Ethereum or Bitcoin was, it was unregulated from the government. It was able to take headway. Now government sure could probably figure out a way to close it down. But I'm just saying like, whatever these transactions are, if you can get it independent from the government, you have a much better chance of seeing it succeed.
0: Right. Let me, no. uh, let me let me let me let uh, me let me kind of move to another area here. I want to kind of stay on the same genre that we talked about with with regard to the small caps uh, speculative markets, um, but I want to mention I want to talk about uh, SPACs for a second. Now, this got a bad rap. There were some things that happened, and what it happened? It, it was it was bastardized the process, right? It, this is what happens in the financial markets. But there was a lot of news that was going on. I mean. I don't know how close or you know Chamath and company. Uh, My opinion, Rats, they did a terrible number on investors with regard to coming in and uh, doing the pipes and then spitting them out. And then in the back end, for most part, coming out of it early, smelling like a rose and then letting the company, uh, Space was a great example, right? SPCE, where where, where he basically did the pipe. uh, I think it was at something like eight bucks, sold it then uh, just let it hang out. Didn't have any shares, stayed on as, as, as chairman and then recently resigned. I mean, he was and supposed to be the golden shares. boy, right?
1: I, I hear you. And I I think what he was trying to do is scale himself to more SPACs because the SPACs were so easy for him to launch at that time, right? And so he was trying to scale himself to more SPACs and he was saying, I'm diversifying because I'm gonna do this to the other one. I'm going to do the medical one and do this one. I mean, there now there are some ones that are working and he is a smart guy. Uh Um, Any new products are going to get its first, you know, first movers, second movers, and then there'll be some successful ones, but there's going to be 85% are going to be failures. I built Benzinga when I started, there was three other competitors and that I knew of, and then they went, the other three went out of business or they changed or did something else. I mean, we just sold our company in a, major nine digit figure. And, um, and it's, um, it's a lot of this is execution. Does it happen every day? No. Just like with these specs Chamath, I get it. He was golden boy, but was he golden boy because he said he was golden boy or did the media annoyed him at golden boy. And he accepted yeah, to do the interviews. He
0: did, but yeah. then he was, you know, trying to pawn off one page deals and like, Hey, look at this. And doing pro formas on a one page, like back of the napkin to try to push the deal and then it was, of course, in the same time frame that everything was going crazy. So that helped it. But um, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, again, it's buyer beware is the point. Do your research, which is what Benzinga does and helps people do. It gets yeah, to cut, cut through the shit and the noise. But you get but you get a lot of hate for doing it, Andrew. All right, you, get you get can take it. Hate. You can take yeah. it. It's got nine digits.
1: I, <laughs> I didn't take all nine digits myself. But no, so you mentioned in, you Let's go to that. You mentioned investment. Let's go to that. So- yeah we uh Beringer capital we 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 were um we received an unsolicited offer from a overseas company for Benzinga. over the years we received some but this one was a very serious one instead of just pursuing it they said hire a banker we hired a banker the banker hired uh did a process for us and through through that process we received bidders there was multiple media co- then people mm-hmm. ask me this process all the time they want me to do a podcast on it and i well, here I am doing a podcast on it. So yep. they, um, we had multiple bidders. Um, let's say it came down to like 16 bidders and then it got narrowed to four. And then we had to determine what we thought was the best avenue for us. Um, we ended up going with private equity, Behringer Capital run by uh, this guy named Perry. they very smart media private equity firm. Uh, they've had successes, uh, successes before and continue to do so. And so we um, we partnered up with them. They made, uh, you know, uh, like we were on CNBC. I was on Andrew Ross Sorkin. Yeah, I saw it. So, I, saw walk walk. I saw it. Yeah, so what they reported there was a total uh, value in of 300 million. That's like with, you know, the total value to enterprise, not what we got right at close or anything. Mm-hmm. But what, what what we're betting on is not just, um, like not just that retail trader that came in and bought AMC. What we're betting on, Andrew, is a, a long term shift of people going and getting information that's not coming down from like some big corporate company that that does that sends their mission, their bias. We we give a neutral standpoint. We give the who, what, where, why. So, for example, someone maybe want to read about dividend ETFs. They want to get four percent on dividends. But well, we may write the who, what, where, why. But if someone wants more expertise, we re- we refer them to financial advisors. Because like not everyone is meant to go there and look at the market and trade every day and look at, Hey, what is, what is Molson Coors at? What is Robinhood at? What is Goldman Sachs at? There's a lot of products that Andrew has that are not necessarily on market Mm -hmm. that are not in the public markets. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is define what a stock is, why is it moving? And then when it becomes more complicated stuff. So the reason you got me really excited on alts was and I said, I love it is because that's where, there's uncorrelated returns to the market, or ideally uncorrelated, and uh, it's not just oh, I want to get in the stock Arena Pharmaceuticals to get that merger arbitrage play right. on the stock, you know. And it's it's finding out these other opportunities. And so what when this Baron or investing invest in us, they're seeing that too. It's like there's really no one giving the facts and not putting their biases. You'll see like when you, okay, someone writes about Robinhood, they'll say uh, and be, you know and distraught Robinhood because the stock is down. Like we don't put that adjective in there because I mean, is it distraught? Sure. The stock is down. I I get it, Andrew. Is it still a $10 billion valuation? Do they still have millions of users? Yes. So instead of us putting biases we try to give the facts. So that's how the business exists. And I think over time people like that don't like to be talked down to you. You can read it. The, 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 our content versus Bloomberg and versus another company. You can see how we, try to be for us, by us. Like, meaning like we try, we don't go say, go buy, you know, Robin Hood or go buy this one. We don't do that. I mean, unless you're in a paid newsletter where there's a, just a couple of them where we do show the stock recommendations. We, we have a guy that does banking stocks, community bank stocks. Mm-hmm. He's great, Tim Melvin. He's really, really good. And he just studies one part of the market. He was an ex-hedge fund manager, but it follows the guys of hiring an expert in that certain sector following what he does and that's what we do so i have two two
0: different things that i want to kind of branch to maybe uh we are limited on time here but uh one of it was just very very quickly and then i'll hit the other one very quickly i see one of the things you're doing lately is tracking and really trying to bring out the kathy wood buy sells and all the different things and try to make some sense of it
1: yeah i mean kathy wood has been on i've been i've talked to her live i met her here in michigan spent like a few hours with her before she blew up, and I mean, when I say love, I'm saying in a positive way. Before, like, she like got well known. I spent some time with her, so we have a decent relationship. Um, I think it's important to see what others are calling and what what they are saying, what they're recommending or not recommending. I think it's important to see theses. I think one reason your podcast is so popular is you say your opinion. You say, "Hey, this, this doesn't make sense to me." I mean, you were talking about that for a while. This doesn't make, doesn't make sense to me, uh-huh. and so. You know, Kathy Wood, when she was saying Tesla 5,000, I thought she was crazy. This is before the splits. Well, her targets got hit, you know, hit. Now, some things buying some stuff may not make sense. But I personally, the way I learned this whole business, Andrew, was reading research reports. I learned how analysts think. And then I would see what they didn't say in their research report. So when I would buy stuff, I'm like, wait, why aren't they talking about this with HubSpot? I bought hubs about a 40 bucks. It's it's at 517 now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are they missing this? Why are they and no one talked about it. So I started buying it, not in size small amounts at the time, but it went up, you know, 800%, uh, 900%. And um it's listening to those people what, what they're saying and what they're not saying. So actually Andrew and I like covering those calls. I like to call cover them to hear what they're not saying. Yeah. And that's always important. That's,
0: that's all, yeah, that's that, that's part of the the research process. Finally, let's just end on this metaverse. The metaverse. Um, it's weird in concept. Even the Facebook rendition where somehow they chop your legs off inside of there, I don't get. Uh, but okay. And there's some other platforms out there, whether it's a Roblox, you got Unity Software that's doing a bunch of work. Metaverse. You know, all,
1: you were like an encyclopedia, man. I was about to like... Literally say Roblox and Unity software, and then you say it. So.
0: Roblox, I love Roblox. I got a nice position in Roblox, good and bad. I bought it very low. I sold it out. I traded a little bit. We bought it lower, um, and you know, kind of worked it a little bit. Some, but 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 Roblox. I have one. Roblox is is, is just not getting respect, and and some of this is the short sellers that are poking it, poking the um, idea of it's it has its uh, inappropriate and and pretty gross. Uh, rooms available and games available for young kids that shouldn't be. So that's, that that's the, that's their one issue there. And we know they're not making money yet, but they're doing an incredible build out NFL just signed something with them and name your companies and, and around that are doing that. But what's your thought on, on the, on, on some of these names, even though they're beaten down to all hell right now.
1: Um, I, um, I, I think this is a mark, a market that's going to stay. I do. I think it's a second, not a second. I think it's a long-term trend. I, I, I'm, I'm very big into observing and I see about, um, and I literally see when I'm observing, I literally see right now out there, kids playing these games, creating these games. My son's creating games. My son even created an NFT. Like I see these people doing this. And so it's a long time. They're not turned on the TV first, you know, like they're not. And so to me, that's a change of a habit. Is it the next CBS, NBC or ABC? I can't give that answer but I think you're crazy not to be participating in Roblox or uni software or whatever the next one's going to be. Andrew, I don't know what it is, but it, you just, I know you're an observer of habits mm-hmm. and you you definitely see, you definitely see habits of what kids are doing. Your kids are getting older now. So you don't see them as much in the sense of like, mm-hmm. you're not next to them all day. Right. I see what my kids are doing. They're not turning on ABC or NBC. Right. And so to me, if you're here for like a two week trade, and I don't think you look at it, but if you're buying roadblocks, I think you literally you buy roadblocks and you don't look at it for three years, right? Dollar cost. That's what I personally think.
0: Right, I got it. And that's
1: that's the way I go about that. Yep. And um, I am for it. I'm personally not in Unity or Roblox right now, but I now I you said it again. You said it. I'm gonna put it on my like top of my um buy list. And you know I don't know where you're gonna be April twentieth, twenty first, twenty second, but at the Fountain Blue in Miami we're hosting our Benzinga cannabis capital conference Dude, at these conferences, Andrew, over 500 million has been raised or acquired at our conferences. We connect investors, companies, owners, and it's at the family. We took, we're taking over half the family. Why did I even bring it up right now? It's because I just opened my email and I'm seeing tickets purchased. So that's why I'm doing that.
0: Well, um, I know some people that would like to go to that. And I know, I think I've referred some people to you in the past that were involved in the industry.
1: Your comp always, Andrew, and I, I get. I'll get a. I'll get a coupon for disciplined investor listeners. Yeah. Oh, we'll call cool. the. We'll call the coupon code disciplined. No, call TDI. Call I'll, TDI.
0: Call TDI. It's
1: easy. TDI much easier. Yep. And we'll get it for. I don't know. Thirty percent off. All right, like that. Ship,
0: ship me over the. Uh, I, I will ship me will. over the information, and when you're down that time, maybe I'll take you either on my son's charter or my boat, or we'll figure out. Or maybe your son's sp- charter. Your is, son has a charter. He has a charter boat. Yeah, he owns one. It's beautiful. It's absolutely magnificent. Wow. Yep. It does it around Miami? Wherever you want. Holy cow! We can have it there for the weekend for you. Wow. Yep. That's maybe a good yep. idea. How many feet? Forty-two. Uh, Twelve people. Thirteen people. Sweet, man. Beautiful. It's a Miami special. Gorgeous boat. Jason Rasnick, founder of Benzinga, and uh, doing very well with all the news that's important to understand. Go check out. Benzinga will put all the information on the show notes for episode number 755 at thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it, Andrew. And that's going to conclude, wrap up, be the finish of this episode this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, I will be here again next week. We'll be talking about all sorts of things, answering your questions, coming up with some ideas, some concepts. You could also, of course, listen on DH Unplugged each and every Tuesday night, live at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Just go over to com and check it out. Of course, on the website, on the site, on the disciplinedinvestor.com, in the show notes for this episode, we put the coupon code for the Cannabis Conference for Benzinga as well as your 30% off discount. I think it's limited to the first 75 that sign up there. So go check it out. I'm going to be down there. I believe I was just invited. I just I was just told to come. So I'll be down there as well. And we'll have some fun and uh, see what's going on down in Miami in April. Thanks so much for joining me today at each and every week. I'll see you again next time. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida, and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.